for Midwest Guys presents The Night's Watch, a Game of Thrones podcast. Night gathers and now my watch begins. I am the sword in the darkness. I am the watcher on the walls. I am the shield that guards the realm of men. We watch, we listen, and we remember. The past is already written, the ink is dry. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night. And I was wrong. I'll show them what Lannisters are. What we do to our enemies. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. I believe men of talent have a part to play in the war to come. I will never set it down. You could help another client with those steps and take that seat. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. They have no idea what's going to happen. The real war is between the living and the dead. And make no mistake, the dead are coming. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Night's Watch, a Game of Thrones podcast. That's right, we're back for Season 7. We did all of Season 6, and we're back for Season 7. With me today to help me through it is my brother, Aaron. Hey, how's it going, man? How you doing, dude? Yeah, I'm doing all right. All right, Ankebauer's on vacation, and uh, John and Stephanie have uh, created their successful spinoff uh, podcast called The uh, House of Zanardelli. Um, they've already released their first two episodes. We're going to con- kind of combine ours. So here at four Midwest guys, you're going to get two podcasts on the same thing. Uh, John and Steph's is more of a quick reaction. Ours is a little bit more scripted. So, uh, two, two different styles, two different ways of doing it. And it was just the only way we could do it and do the show we love called uh, game of Thrones. Yeah. You can show which one you like more by, you know, voting, sharing all that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. We don't mind a little healthy competition. But I'm sure you'll enjoy the original much yeah, better. Either that just or you kidding, can just John. Send rude comments. That's also fun. That's fine too. I don't mind. All right, Aaron. Well, we got two episodes to cover, so let's uh, get right into uh, episode one, which is uh, Dragonstone. Um, mm. Is the title? So, right off the bat, before they even start the the traditional Game of Thrones music mm-hmm. and the the map scene. We're hit. We see a pitch. We see uh, Walter Frey returns. Yeah. Or at least we think he returns. Yeah. Like, it looks like him. He's making a big speech, and we're like... Yeah, it's like a big party, and all the Freys are invited. And you're like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. Where, what? When is this happening? Precisely, because I was like, is this a flashback? Because at the end of season six, we saw Arya kill Walter Frey. Yeah. Like, you almost think, like, this is the scene that happens, like, right before, before like, he gets yeah. his throat... Uh, slit yeah that's exactly his last party well that's exactly what i was thinking i was like that's the only thing that makes sense there's no Mm. way and then he keeps talking and he passes out the wine and then he starts saying you you forgot to kill one particular you didn't get all the wolves Mm. and you really yeah he has there's that great line like if you leave one of the wolves alive the sheep aren't safe the sheep aren't safe and there's also that kind of fun little moment where like i guess it's like Frey's youngest bride was like about to take a drink. He's like, I'm not going to waste good wine on, on you. On a woman. Yeah. yeah. I was like, whoa, okay. And you're like, damn, dude, we knew you were an asshole, but fuck. Uh, but yeah, it turns out. Like it was actually Arya sparing her Ar- life. Yeah, Arya sparing her life. And Walter Frey is Arya. And Arya has just poisoned the entire house of Frey. Yeah. And she like 
takes off like the death mask like yeah. right before they all fucking die and they're like what the, the fuck, fuck just, just happened? happened yeah i was <laughs> like, just holy like seeing shit. a magic trick on your deathbed you're just like what 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 is happening <laughs> so i yeah it's like i just got fucked by a little girl you know it's literally killed by a little she wipes out an entire house oh yeah gone Period. Oh, yeah. Done. At this point, Arya is that level of assassin where, like, houses fall by her decision. Dude, she's like, I always said, uh, I've always compared to her because I'm a Star Wars fan. She's Anakin Skywalker. She's full on Darth Vader in this moment, dude. <laughs> Dark like, side, everything. I don't know. Like, this, this is kind of like him, like, Anakin just going on a killing spree with the desert people at this point, right? Kind of, yeah. Like, or, that's kind of the, the comparison you'd go with. Kind of that. Like, or, taking revenge on, like, her, you know, yeah, on the lost pe- family. The people that, yeah, killed her family. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But even then, like, in this moment, she still, like, retains herself. She's somewhat merciful to, like, people she doesn't blame and, like... Okay, yeah. Like, a little better than Anakin. I do love the smile, though, as she's walking away. She's oh, yeah. smiling, dude. That green... Oh, yeah. Dude. dude. That, the actress just did a phenomenal fucking job. Like, it, it was very well done. So you think there's still... I guess the one question to come out of the scene, so you think that Arya, there's still some redeeming qualities about Arya then? Oh, I don't even think anything this makes her unredeemable in this, this universe. This is just pure vengeance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you... Like, honestly, the poison was pretty quick acting she slit like Frey's throat and that was pretty quick she's not torturing people she's just take revenge her family you know got wiped out yeah and now she's wiping out an entire fucking house because that's what you do in this universe <laughs> i tell you it's got me worried though because they gave us this awesome thing to start the whole season with and it's yeah. positive for the starks so i'm like oh god oh yeah like the oh starks god. are the up and <laughs> oh up god. at the beginning of the season yeah. which generally is a sign shit's not gonna go, go well. well yeah but i don't know like two episodes in so far there hasn't been like any huge twists yet so yeah. here's hoping it, it could go either way i hope i'm hoping i'm just like oh crap i was like yeah. uh, i'm cheering in the inside and then i'm like oh shit oh yeah. no oh no 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. well i think one of the things i was kind of interested in about the scene was like i wasn't aware like she could actually just take anyone's face and use that as like actual disguise because i thought it actually had to be like one of the actual faces from like the hall of like the deaf god thing and they had take maybe took a little bit more time in preparation but i guess she knows how to do it on the fly now yeah like clearly there's a way of like prepping that to like just be like your face and your disguise and she's able to do it presumably pretty quickly like like if you assume that's like the day after she kills walter frey yeah because they said the this even walter she makes When's the last time Walter Frey, you know, gave you two feasts within a fork night? So, yeah. obviously she made, you know, it's this is the second feast where Walter was killed at the first feast yeah. at the end of it. So, you know, a fork night. Well, it's funny because even in that speech where she's talking about that, like, she's kind of going out of her way. Like, I know people view me as an asshole. It's okay. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. She's playing the character perfectly, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I, this whole scene is just very satisfying, though. I oh, mean, yeah. You know, it's, like, you look at this and like this is more satisfying than like Ramsey Bolton getting eaten by dogs. Like it shouldn't be more satisfying than that, but it's up there. It's up there. I I, I still like you know I still like the Alpo uh, version of Ramsey, but um, better, <laughs> but, uh yeah, it's uh yeah, it was just a great scene. It was a great way to kick off the oh the, the season. I mean. I, I couldn't think of a better way of kicking off the season. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you have Daenerys returning to, like, her birth home. And that's cool. Yeah. But this is fucking epic. 
but this is what's great about this too is I wasn't expecting that. I don't think Game of Thrones has ever opened like this. It's always opened with the music and the map. This yeah. is actually seen, you know, before all yeah. that. Well, I think that could be a very good indication of like how much they had to pack into the season because this is more or less going to be a split season. Yeah. More so than like two separate seasons. Yeah, seven A and seven B essentially is what they're kind of they're calling it. So, yeah. Yeah. So. so I mean that could be just an indication of like and it clearly does seem like they want to wrap everything up. Because mm-hmm. if you look at how quickly the season's like first couple episodes gone by, they've put a lot of things together and have already seeing yeah. characters kind of coming back in and kind of merging together and such. Yeah, we'll talk I'll talk a little bit more about this when I give this episode and the next episode overall grades, but yeah, it so far it seems like they're where in past seasons the first couple episodes are like set up. Yeah, like this one's it's really wrap up. It's, yeah, it's 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 wrap up and it there's a lot in these episodes that are mm. very fast paced. You know, I think that's kind of goes to show the pace of last season really setting up this season very well. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Because that's really where we ended off at last season is like... Tremendous high. Yeah, yeah. and then it's just like, we kind of hit the climax and now it has to kind of wrap everything up. But at the same time, I actually think we're going to hit like more kind of high moments. Highs as we we move through. Yeah, like as we're wrapping up, like (laughs) it's just going to be like a really like good, like kind of high, like fast paced classical song where you just keep having those moments of like building (laughs) up. Building high like the Imperial March. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Okay, so let's move on to the next scene real quick. It's a pretty brief scene. It's uh, you get the White Walker, the King of the Dead. Hmm. Uh, walking out of the snow, and the big surprise of the whole scene for me was the three Walking Dead giants. Oh yeah, the giants were yeah. fucking awesome. So not you know, not only do they have White Walkers, they have giant White. Well, walkers. just when you thought zombies, white you know, walking in the snow couldn't get any cooler, mm. well, they just won up this. Now well, they got giants. I mean, if, zombie. It kind of makes sense. They have giants. You have like zombie horses, and you've had like I don't sure. know what was the um one dude that could um. Like teleport into his bird. I don't remember what bird is. Oh, you're but talking about we... Brandon. Brandon Stark. No, yeah. no. Like the uh, there was actually a wildling that could do that. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he has like a bird, and I think you kind of see a bit of it. I can't remember the wildling. I know yeah. Brandon Stark's one of them. The three eyed ravens, the other yeah. one, but yeah, the warging or whatever. Yeah, like you yeah. actually see like a couple other like small animals kind of in zombie form. I think mm-hmm. I don't remember at what point that shows up, or I'm completely misremembering it but we definitely do see the zombie horses though but so. yeah it, it to me it just shows you know the the army is getting bigger and definitely bigger in stature oh, yeah. well i mean you know, pretty yeah. much by the time every time they take a city and yeah. you know in the north then they're just adding to their numbers right they everybody they kill he just raises his arms yeah and up they come yeah it's pretty so the you know it's an increasing army essentially i think it, i call him the death king it's actually the night king but yeah. anyway so yeah, it's uh yeah, it's 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 going to get interesting. I think we're going to there's at least the potential to see a white walker invasion maybe by the end of this season. Yeah, I could see it. I yeah. mean, you'll either see it around the end of this season or maybe the very beginning of like the next half of the season or 7B or whatever we're calling. Could it be as as early as uh the next episode which for us right now would be episode three. You know, we you just never know because the, I mean, they're good at throwing us curveballs. Yeah, that's very fair. But at the same time, we seem by two, we're kind of dealing with a lot of stuff in the South and with Daenerys and like that. So mm-hmm. it might transition there and kind of jump back and forth, but we'll, we'll have to see. We'll see. But uh, we really don't really see a whole lot of like um, Brandon in the scene and like, 
No, in fact, that's the next scene, and it's just a brief scene. There's not much to it. It's just Bran getting to the wall yeah, and being led through the wall to Cla- Castle Black. Yeah, There's pretty really much, much being like, he does kind of have that cool moment of where he's like, how do we know you're his brother? And he's like, and then he starts listing off shit, shit he's seen. He's like, I've seen what you've seen. Yeah, you were here. You were here. Yeah, yeah and he's, and like, he's like, whoa. That's a weird trick. <laughs> Let him in. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Let's see what else he can do. Yeah, what other magical tricks can you do, David, Cop- David Copperfield? Yeah, it was, there's nothing else to it, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, it's really the most brief scene, like, in the entire thing. Like, it, yeah. it's just kind of setting up that he's there. That's all the scene really does. That's really it. I mean, there's nothing else, unfortunately, that we can talk about. Mm. Um, next scene is um, basically it's John, now King of the North, mm. um, kind of versus Sansa here. This is in open. They're having some differences in open in opinions. Uh, yeah. Open court, I guess you would say. Yeah. Of the North. Um, John's making it a point, I guess, uh, the dragon glass. Uh, he's. He knows, obviously, he keeps coming back to that because he... Because you need weapons to deal with the White Walkers. With the White Walkers, he's yeah. like, well, that's now more valuable than gold. So, yeah. you know, he's making that point to him. Well, yeah, like, anything that allows you to survive is more valuable than monetary resources in that scenario. In this scenario, yeah. yes. So, you know, he's making this point, and uh, the other big point that comes out of this scene is he makes that, he says, everybody has to fight. Yeah. Give your 10 and you're a girl. Sorry, you got to have a sword in your hand yeah. or a spear, you know. And Lady Mormont's like, "All right, that's fine." Which was cool to hear. Her yeah, you put the, what's her uncle and her. I think it was their uncle in his place or something like that or something. Yeah, it was like one of the other like northern families, families like yeah. heads, and she was like, "Hey, I was in the last battle. I'm going to be in the next couple. Yeah, I'm not deal gonna, with it. I'm not going to let my guys fight. You know, without me fighting as well. Yeah. So, and I love what they've done with that character. Like Lady Mormont is fucking awesome. This show. She is a really fun character. I gotta yeah. admit. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of like having a little Princess Leia or something, or rougher even. Yeah, walking around. Honestly, know? a little rougher. Like, yeah, younger and rougher. rougher. It's weird. Yeah, I know. It's like you just have like this little ten year old. Like, I have a pointy thing. I can kill people. That, so we're gonna do that. I think I said this on uh, the House of Zanardelli because it was on the first episode. I said. I think she has bigger balls than some of those guys do in that court sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know? With how they write that character, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Like, um, shit, dude. Like, you'd hate to think how much, like, of a, how badass she's going to be when she actually hits, like, 20. Oh, when I She's, know, like, right? a full-grown adult and's already seen, like, 12 battles and be like, yeah, I, I've, I've faced White Walkers. I've killed lots of things. If she lives through this, yeah, like, I mean, if I the could... Starks don't run like the North in the future. It's going to be, be that her. Lady. Yeah, it's going to be Lady Mormont. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the other another point was uh, the Wildlings. He uh, orders the uh, I guess call I can't remember his name. Um, oh, the redheaded Wildling Thormun or something. Anyway, people will scream at me later for this. Uh, but yeah, uh, the chief of the Wildlings. Mm, he's uh, taking a castle to protect it. Right. They're sending him, I think it was Eastwatch Castle, which is yeah, the Yeah, it's like one that's been abandoned. Point. Yeah. Farthest. So that's most likely going to be the one that's uh, by the ocean, right? Right. Exactly. And a, a point about that, and Ankenbauer actually sent me a picture of this. Somebody has looked at the that map that mm-hmm. we see. And in past seasons, that sea is an actual water mm. past the wall. And now it's just ice. Yeah. So the wall ends now, mm. and now you have a sea of ice. 
Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, so that might well, be that's how, actually interesting how because like that's going to be the one that's actually closest to the Greyjoys, mm-hmm. as well as if they make a wall of ice, would allow actual White Walkers to walk around. Essentially, well, I could be. I think I'm off, but it, the the Greyjoys are on the west, be on are the they? west side. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this would be on the other side of the wall. The oh, okay. I got you. There's like a bay that was there in past past maps in the old seasons yeah. that was water and now it's just ice. now it's just frozen yeah it's, oh, okay. it's white instead of having water there it's white so it's ice. almost like the white walkers doing a blitzkrieg thing during world war ii yeah <laughs> like where it's like the france has this entire giant like perimeter that they're defending heavily and they're like we're just gonna go around well probably a better a good better analogy would be the mongols yeah with the the great wall of china mm. <laughs> that will not work they will just go around your wall mm. but yeah exactly they're so in theory if you go by that map which it just might be a theory a theory but yeah, yeah. they could actually just walk right around oh, yeah but wall. i mean you also have the uh scene with the hound i think it's later in this episode yeah that uh that talks yes. about that like fortress as well i believe I think or it talks about a fortress by the ocean anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. A hill that looks like a, a spear or head. Mm. We'll get to that though. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah. So we got that going on. Um, the Umbers and the Starks are pardoning. This is really where John and Sansa have a real mm. big difference. Of yeah. Opinion. Because she's taking a very Cersei like mentality about it. Mm-hmm. She is observing the queen that ran shit that she is familiar with. Mm-hmm. And be like, no. And she actually does make some valid points. Why would you reward a family that's fucking betrayed you? Right. And John's really kind of doing more what Ned would have done. Yes. Very much so. And it is definitely a very clashing opinion about that. It's. I think John is doing the right thing from a noble perspective. Mm. But I think Sansa sees it in a more real world perspective. Yeah. And I think the solution, I think, is probably somewhere in between. I don't really. know. I actually think how the scene ended up with kind of an interesting compromise like, pretty much, like, they got to retain their houses, but they had to re-swear loyalty, like, in front of everyone. And I actually think that was a... I mean, you more or less had, like, 10 to 12-year-olds doing that, but... Yeah. It was a good scene, and, like, it actually had, like, an emotional resonance, and, like, mm-hmm. you could see people there who just, like, respected that decision sort of thing. In a way, I thought it was good, and I liked it. I just think that maybe instead of fully restoring their names, like, they got to keep their castles, mm-hmm. but maybe they're you know kind of like they lost maybe some of their honor for mm. a while until they reprove themselves well yeah i mean battle. it's definitely not to be something that deals well with the reputation but that's not well, really a lot you do about that well either way. I, I think they should have lost something maybe then rather just than took, just like have one them, of the kids hands well not, right. not so much a hand just <laughs> i think re- they should have done something that they have to re-earn their full trust and, mm. and you know rather than just have them you know, swear in front of everybody, which was yeah. cool. And yeah. I liked, but yeah, it was, you know. it was a good scene. Like, and it really just showed like the character, like kind of coming out and like yeah. how he stood on it. And I thought that was kind of an interesting compromise between his original viewpoint and Sansa. Mm. It's like, all right, you don't trust them. Like kids come up here. Do, will you betray me? No. Okay. We're good. Right. And that was it. I was like, yeah, but I kind of see Sansa's point of view. I oh, guess. no, there's yeah. definitely a real world opinion to that. Like, there's yeah. an argument to be made that that makes sense. Like, in a more capitalist system, that'd be the way you'd go. Yeah. Like, he's like, you don't reward people for betraying you. Right. Bad behavior should not be rewarded, um, as they say. But, 
we'll see. But I, I see John's point of view that they definitely need every last single yeah, I person. I think he actually has a good point about not really punishing the family for the acts of their father and, or, you know, the sure. acts of their like head of house or whatever. Right. That's kind of actually more of a, a, uh, colonial, uh, forefathers, uh, kind of, a thing here in the United States. That was part of their big thing mm. too, as well, you know, not the yeah. sins of the father. Um, so, but yeah, uh, yeah. The other point to the whole, this is why this whole argument's going around. They go, they, Pan the little finger who's just kind of smiling and yeah, he's actually being super creepy throughout the entire fucking thing. Yeah, as he always is. He, and... I actually feel like he's being creepier in like this season, and I'm not sure why. Like, I, I'm not sure what about it I find creepier. I think I know. I think it's because he's for me. I think it's because he's going after the woman who he said he loved his daughter now, mm. and I think that's kind of creepy. It seems pretty open about it as well oh yeah he doesn't make he doesn't like sansa's aware of it yeah like i don't remember the character's name but gwendolyn christie's character it, seems Brienne, moder- Brienne yeah, Brienne of Tarth. Tarth. yes seems moderately aware of it by the end of season or episode two john's pretty fucking aware of oh, it john's made aware of it if he wasn't before and we'll yeah. get to that as well but which um, was also super fucking creepy yes so but you can see though that he's our the gears are always turning mm. with him. Like it's almost like he's in the end game in yes. his mind. Yes. And that's how it comes across. Precisely. And I even like the scene after this when it was just John and Sansa and John saying, Well, you can't openly disagree with me, but just don't do it in front of everybody else. And mm. that's where she says, Well, you've got to be smarter than your dad. You have to be smarter than Ned and you have to mm. be smarter than Rob. Yeah, like you know. I think she has a point, like you look at Ned Stark, and he died for being too honorable. For being too honorable and too noble. Yeah, because that made him fucking predictable. Precisely. And that was an issue in this universe. Yes, yes. Anytime you do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, you're... that was more or less the joke for the first four seasons. Yeah. Like, you're a good character, and you do the right things, dead. You're dead. You're going to pay the price. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I, li- I really like that scene between them, because that was just rein- reinforcing that two different mythologies oh yeah and i mean you definitely had that you know how how can i not question you like there's i you know joffrey didn't allow people to question him either and he wasn't a good fucking king sort of thing he throws that in her face and but really she's trying to point out to him as well that don't forget about cersei Mm. i know you're obsessed with the night king because you've seen him well i've seen cersei and cersei will not stop until you're dead. Just mm. FYI. Yeah. You know? And then John's like, well, there's a thousand miles between us and it's winter and, yeah. and all this stuff. So I don't know. I think the interesting thing is like strategically, I think Cersei might be in the worst position at this very moment in time. Yes. Like pretty much with the exception of like the help of her one maester, that's clearly technically very advanced for the kingdom. Yes. And you know, the Greyjoy like faction that's helping her is just, kind of surrounded and like you actually see that later on where she's having an argument with jamie about that which is actually a great transition because that's our next scene oh is that our next scene it is indeed uh so i like to call it the last of the lannisters planning their next moves is what i like to call it like she's actually painting that giant map on the ground which is visually fucking awesome just to see her walking over it and just like clearly like just thinking of like where to go where to surround or you know where to transition yeah it's like a live you know life-size uh, game of chess right or, yeah or strategic or strategic yeah. or at some point you're just gonna see her just have like these giant ponds <laughs> or like chairs and chairs. she's just moving them around sure for, like representing armies or, yeah she'll have these giant figures or whatever yeah. 
<laughs> kind of like how um, later on you see um, Tyrion with like those little figurines representing like different armies and different factions oh, yeah. and stuff. Like yeah. something like that, just bigger. It's well, it's cool to see too. Everybody likes a map and a military planning meeting. It's yeah. just, it, but that is pretty impressive. I have to admit. But about this scene, the things I took away from this scene that were interesting is right off the bat. She remind she throws a guilt trip right at uh, right at Jamie. Mm. She's like, "Oh, by the way, uh, Tyrion is now the uh, hand of the queen that's uh, trying to kill, trying us. to kill us. You know, the one who, you know, supposedly in her eyes anyway, poisoned our son and, and killed her father and killed our father. Yeah, yeah. So you know, right off the bat, but at the same like, boom time, like at, you have him respond with like, you know." you're not really grieving over the suicide of our child and all this sort of stuff. And like, yep. He's clearly somewhat distrustful of where she stands right now. Oh, absolutely. They are not a united front in this scenario. Not really. He's forced to be united with her in order to survive. I think almost because I even love the, because how he throws it back at her. He's there's like, and she's like, well, whoever wins this war will have a dynasty. He's like a dynasty for who? Our children are dead, you dumb bitch. <laughs> and she's like, you and me, asshole. You and, <laughs> you me. and me. Well, a dynasty for us, then. You know, yeah. I was just like, wow. And he's like, well, what about, we haven't talked about Tommen. Yeah. And apparently they hadn't up to that point. And she's like, he betrayed me. He, they're ashes. We're flesh and blood. I'm like, holy shit. Talk about somebody who's not only living in denial, but it's just straight it's up a, cold. And I don't know if lifeless. I consider that denial. It's almost like a weird coping sort of thing. Like, it's just like, just turn it off. It's that's done. I can't do anything to change it. I tried my fucking best, but that's fucking over. Right. That's what I mean. It's like, she's just shut down completely. Yeah, like just the emotions just shut off. Cause couldn't fucking deal with them. So and legit. That is a coping thing you see occasionally. And I think that was the only redeeming quality about Cersei up to that point is that she, she really loved, loved her kids, her kids. She yeah, really did. And like, if Tommen hadn't thrown himself off a building, she would still love him, even though she felt betrayed by him. Yes, exactly. But now that he's dead and all her kids are dead and she's just overwhelmed by grief and just said, fuck it. I can't do anything. Oh, all that's left is the cold hearted bitch. I mean, yeah. that's it. It. I mean, there is a certain strategic thing. It's like, I can't dwell in the past. We're in the middle of a war. We have to move forward. There's not time to process that shit. Man. But I mean, like, you're in certain scenarios, man. That can be the logical choice. I suppose it's logical, but it is definitely cold. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, there might still be moments where that that emotion comes full forward and, like, you see her, like, kind of collapse and, like, at night, but... During the day when shit has to get done, that's there's no time for that. I guess, and that you know, Jamie does bring up the point at the end of the scene. Well, we need allies. Yeah, and that's when she brings up. You, you see the ships of the the uh, the Iron Islands, which mm. is in its Euron Greyjoy's yeah. fleet that comes to King's Landing. Oh, um, a weird little snippet about that. You know what his main ship's called? No, no, I don't. Uh, the Silence. That is silence. what he calls his main ship. Really? Yeah. Huh. And, and that's actually when we get to the end of episode two, there's a very interesting like snippet about that. Really? You'll yeah. have to share that with me. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're on Greyjoy comes to King's Landing. <laughs> I kind of dug, the, I, I almost like this character as evil as he is because he's mad. Yeah. Evil, you know? Well, he's very aggressive. He's yeah. very, a little narcissistic. 
in some ways, that almost seems like an interesting contrast to Jamie and Cersei Lannister. Yeah. We're also narcissistic, but usually far more subtle about it. And much more tactful yeah. about it. Yeah. Whereas he's just very brazen. Straight up, yeah. In your like, face. You actually hear him talking about how he saw Jamie slaughter some of his own so, people. He was just so fucking impressed with it. It's like, yeah. but you can't do as much without, you know, wooden hand though, can you? Yeah, exactly. He's taking he's taking punches at Jamie. Oh, and, and pretty much making jokes about him fucking his sister. Yes. To their face. To their faces. And and Jamie, Jamie's like, can we bring up the slaughter thing? Jamie's like, those were your own kin. And he's like, yeah, you should try it sometime. Meaning <laughs> <laughs> Cersei should kill her brother. You yeah. know, it's like, holy shit. Dude. Yeah, like doing it right there. Right to uh, his face. Just doesn't re- care. And I guess, like, if he wants to sleep with her and, like, be, like, king. king but I still imagine she'd be, like, the main person in charge. Even well, if it yeah. was a thing like that. Well, until he tries to assassinate her anyway. But, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so, yeah, but, you know, obviously he tries to make the point that they're both trying to murder their treasonous families. Yeah. So they have that in common. Uh, obviously offers her the, his fleet of yeah. ships. Um, then he obviously proposes the marriage deal to her. Yeah. Which she flat out declines in his face. Yeah, which actually, I wasn't expecting that. I, wasn't I thought either. she'd be more negotiative about it. And he was, and I, I was a little too, like surprised by that. But then his reaction's honestly even more surprising. Yeah. Where he's just like... All right, well, I know the quickest way to a woman's heart is with gifts, so I won't return until I have a good one. It's almost like he's like, I respect that, but I- I'll take care of this for you. I'll show you. Yeah. I'll-, I'll prove myself. Yeah, it's like, I-, I want you to see how valuable I am. Right. Precisely. Because then- I guess, you know, maybe he thinks, well, you know, the Iron Islands are a little backwards, little territory. Maybe they don't really understand how impressive this fleet is. Maybe. Or at least how tactful he can be really yeah. and strategic he can be even though he's brazen and bold yeah. and well i mean pretty much he's been a pirate for years and has been successful at it and hasn't been killed at it it's, like he didn't lose a hand or anything it, it's funny he's he's kind of a cross between captain jack sparrow and han solo or something i, I, I gotta be it, honest it, i don't know if i see those comparisons uh, well i did def- i definitely see the captain jack in him sparrow mm, he, not and the, really the, the off-balance crazy yeah. i mean if Man. jack sparrow did way more cocaine maybe <laughs> but he's definitely he's a, scra- he's a scoundrel though i yeah. mean he's you know but he's attacked he definitely is a pirate that became king of an island essentially yeah and by killing his own family, but mm. that's what makes him evil. But mm. the fact that he's he's as good as he is, which we'll get to later, it just proves you know mm. how dangerous he really is. Yeah, like it's really kind of hard to tell in the first couple of scenes you see in him last season because he just throws an old dude off a fucking bridge. True, it's not really doesn't set up to be that impressive a fight scene. No, I mean, well, it's not much of a match anyway, yeah. right? I mean, obviously he's much younger than his brother was, yeah. so. Um. I'd be like you throwing me off the bridge, actually, come to think of it. Yeah. Hmm. Pretty close. Hmm. All right. Uh, so let's move on to the next scene. Uh, Sam working hard at the Citadel. Poor, poor Sam. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but after watching this scene, I don't think I ever want to eat beef, beef stew ever again, dude. Yeah. It was like shit in, shit out. Yeah. I like actually like these kind of the cuts they had here where it was just like very quick pace of this chore, this chore, this chore, this chore, this chore, this chore, just over and over on repeat. And you're just like, yeah, that seems monot. like it really gave that sense of monotony to it. Well, then it made me sick because they kept going back between the beef stew he was serving 
and the shit that <laughs> was the yeah. same color that he was. Yeah, and it's dumping. actually kind of interesting because it. I wasn't aware the Citadel almost works as like a hospital sort of thing as well. Yeah. But it clearly does function as a multi-level thing. Right. That, that multiple And levels. I guess that makes sense since the Macers actually do tend to wounds and they are... It's almost yeah. like a doctor's college in some way. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a giant university, yeah. And I, it was impressive um, to see the Maester, the Archmaester, uh, doing a uh, an autopsy, really. Yeah. You know, they're measuring dissecting, weighing, weighing. dissecting, yeah. Pretty much things that, you know, would have been impressive in, you know, our history during, like, the Victorian times. Precisely. So like you, actually way beyond what you would usually expect out of what is viewed more as a medieval sort of timeline. Yeah. I'd never would have expected him to be weighing stuff and, and him saying stuff like, well, this guy was obviously a drinker. Look at his liver. Yeah. You know, stuff like that during the medieval times. Yeah. And, no, you know. I mean, don't wrong. Like I'm sure there was some form of medicine during medieval times. I just don't sure, it was, was view it, it on that level because generally in during the medieval times, autopsies were more or less illegal. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, because I know, like, you also had issues with grave robbers that came out of like sure. the Victorian era, of, like trying to improve medicine. I think you would have had it would have been a lot harder to do. It was uh, medieval times were very superstitious too. So yeah, you know, compared to yeah, it to, wasn't really the heyday of science for the West. No, it was definitely the Dark Ages. Yeah. You know, so to see this kind of beacon of light amongst what we yeah. traditionally view as, but I mean, dark at the ages, same time, like. There was a macer that created more or less a Frankenstein monster. True. So I guess it kind of makes sense that they're, you know, advanced medically to a certain extent. I guess. You know, the, the thing is with this with this world, you've got religions and you've got – the only thing really – you've got dragons and stuff. The only thing that really is kind of missing is magic. So – You know, you have that. You, you have, have that with l- the um, – A little bit of it with the the necromancers or whatever a couple yeah, seasons Yeah, well, then ago, you but... had like the um, – what is it? The, uh, the little – Forest sprite things that were the north. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I forgot like about with them. the uh, three eyed raven and like yeah, the sprites. I call them sprites or whatever the yeah. hell they were. Yeah, so, like you yeah. do have some magic in the universe. It's just not like rampant wizards, right? Sort of thing. You don't see that kind of stuff. There's no like Merlin, yeah. kind of per se. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of cool to see. Definitely a, a change of pace. Yeah, um, like don't me wrong. You also have like the dragon's fire, which is, seems more of a chemical thing. But I don't know. Depending on how you interpret that, it's that's kind similar. of it's probably more chemistry. But yeah, still, yeah. you know, the the wildfire I think it's called. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but the, just more examples of uh, what this kind of universe really is. How different and vast and mm. it really is. A um, couple things from this scene. It was obviously he's forbidden from the maester's books. Yeah, because he's not a maester. He's in training. Essentially, mm. uh, I guess he's an intern. Or yeah, a, essentially they have like this little error is like, no, nope, you have to be a fool on, you know, maester for this. Like you're, you're an apprentice at best. Y- you don't deserve this knowledge yet. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's um, advanced level. Yeah. It's kind of cool. And uh, he, but Sam never stops. Like he's even, he, he even made a request to the Archmaester for the books. Yeah. Said. It's actually kind of interesting. He's actually yeah. more or less working with the Archmaester there. Like it, mm-hmm. they didn't put him underneath like one of the like minor maesters or anything. Like he's actually doing like legit work on like, and that's kind of interesting in some way. Well, it might actually show just how smart Sam really is too. Mm. And then maybe they see that he's more of a prodigy than, mm. uh, than they, and they're just not letting him in yeah. on that, you know, kind of mm. thing. So that maybe that's why he's with the Archmaster. I don't know. Um, they haven't really explained that. Hear that, or it's just that. a storyline. It just makes it easier to work that way, sort of thing. It could be. And, and I even like 
the archmaster, now I'm thinking about it, uh, his little speech about, well, where are the people's memories? You know, mm. when this disaster happened, they said the sky was falling. And mm. we yeah, he actually has there. a very kind of moral viewpoint about it. I thought it was a pretty good point. Really, it was a good counter argument to Sam. I mean, it wasn't the right one, but it was definitely. Yeah, no, like in any other situation when you're dealing with wars between humans, he makes a fair point. Mm-hmm. There's lots of political situations where people think it's the end and life goes on. Right. Like, you can make that argument about World War II. Like, I, sure. it's definitely understandable to have that sensation with World War II, but Absolutely. things did carry on. Right. I mean, had it gone differently, maybe not, but I don't know. Well, we've come to the brink of, you know, destruction several times, but yeah. he's kind of right. He's like, they're the cool, calming It's hand. a very collected he's sort based, of he's trying to He's trying to say, well, we live through that, we'll live through this, yeah. you know, et cetera. Um, but I just thought it was cool. Um, but obviously, eventually, Sam, being the sneaky devil that he is, steals the keys and yeah, uh, from some other maester who seems like he has some sort of ailment of some kind. Something. Yeah. Uh, fig- anyway, he still seems a little off by the dude. He, he's able to get the keys, and uh, the it's a scene later on. But I edited it on this part because this was the big thing he learned from taking the book so far. He learns that at Dragonstone castle there is a mountain of dragon glass just yeah. like uh um the like night a giant mine essentially yeah. well Ascent- or a mountain that a could mountain. be mined yeah so uh big thing and which he sends is the raven maybe that's why John. dragonstone is there is because it's where the dragon glass was or maybe that's where they let the dragons turn stuff to dragon glass yeah you know? maybe that's could how go it either works way. so but yeah i mean and that's kind of a fun transition to a later scene where you actually see daenerys returning to her homeland right when we'll get to that and yeah sure enough um so uh next scene it's just a brief scene just between Littlefinger and sansa really although the beginning of the scene is pretty funny you see brienne trying to teach podrick how to fight and how to fight out in the courtyard yeah it's it's pretty funny because uh <laughs> podrick takes a cheap shot at her she knocks him over and the wildlings watch the wildling chief's watching all this while staring at brienne and walks up to him and goes you're the luckiest man in the world yeah <laughs> kind of bring him back that yeah, whole supposedly thing. that was kind of like that entire relation between them like apparently like an improv sort of thing Is that it? he kind of brought to, brought to it, it but it works so well it's hilarious you're the luckiest man in the world. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just like, oh, I wish she was kicking my ass like that. I think she actually hits him in the balls or something. And I can't remember, but that's why he goes, you're the luckiest yeah. man in the world. <laughs> I was just dying. Yeah. I was rolling. Uh, basically, it's just a small tit for tat between Littlefinger trying to do some, I guess, seeds of doubt. Yeah. He's just asking her if she's happy, essentially. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, get the fuck away. Yeah. So right now her defenses are totally up against Yeah, him. but the funny thing is, like, later on, I think you have Brienne come up to, like, check on her. Thing, yeah. And as he walks away, he's like, what did he want? Oh, she's like, I know what he wanted. I know exactly what he wants. Yeah. She's like, why is he still here? He's like, well, he saved us. Uh, Without the veil, we'd be dead. You know? Yeah. So they kind of justify why he's still around. Yeah. So, um. So next scene, let's move on. Next scene, uh, Arya and the King's Landing troops. Um, there's not a lot here other than maybe it showed that the uh, the King's Landing troops are human, and that yeah, they have it's their, a their... it's a very humanizing sort of little thing. Yeah, uh, they also mentioned that 
it's actually they're there as a reaction towards the phrase dying, right? Which is a bit of his thing. Trying um, to keep the peace. Yeah, essentially, with the phrase gone, there's no one really owning that land, so the Lannister troops have to kind of spread themselves out mm-hmm. and kind of work where what the phrase used to, right? Um, and it goes back to like kind of the Lannisters losing allies. Yes, pretty much because it, the phrase might have been a small group, but they ran that section for them. Yeah, you know they were. You know what a governor or daimyo would have been for other states. It would. They're kind of the, the guardians of the gate to the south, right? Yeah. So you had to go through them mm. in order to get to King's Landing. So it, it reinforced that. It also reinforced, though. I think uh, they say, "Why are you going to King's Landing? It's full of pig shit, and mm. it's not as cool as you think it is." Yeah. And- well, the funny thing is, like they say that. But they also kind of just want to go to their homes. Right. They want to go. Like, it kind of shows, like, a wariness of the troops because this has been going on for a while. Right. And that it, it kind of shows Arya that, yeah, that maybe the, they are they're her enemy, technically, but there is a human side yeah. to everybody. Like, I honestly thought this scene was going to take a weird, dark turn. And, I like, did, she too. she was going to have to, like, kill everybody. Or, and, or like, something, yeah. And it didn't. It just didn't happen. It was like... And they've done that a couple times with Arya so far. Yeah. Like, there's this scene, and then next episode, there's the one with the wolves where I thought it was going to do this exact same thing. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's about all there was for that scene. So, next scene, I like to call The Hound Grows a Soul. Um, so, the hound who is traveling with, um, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. I should have wrote it down. Uh, the the priest who uh, revives the, the knight. Yeah, the fire priest. The fire priest. And uh, I can't remember either one of those names. Anyway... The fire worshippers is uh, is the yeah they they believe in the Lord of Light the Lord of Light right and uh, they end up going back to the same would that make him a red priest then they are yeah actually he is okay they're part of the same sector whatever Um, but yeah uh, so the they go back to a home that we saw I think it was not two seasons ago maybe yeah it's the one where the hound cripples the one dude cripples him and leaves him for dead yeah and they end up. So the, they go back. He doesn't want to go into the house because he yeah, already Yeah, he's freaked knows. out by just being there, like right. by kind of dealing with his own actions. Dealing with his own shit. Um, they find the remains, and it looks like, yeah, they... Like the dad was just in the corner of the building, building holding, up against the wall. Holding his daughter. Looks like he killed his daughter and then took himself out. Yeah, he most likely slit her throat just so she wouldn't die of hunger. Well, yeah, avoid starvation kind of thing. and get, Which, kinda, yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. But at the same time, like... It, it's something we've seen earlier on, like in, I think it's the second or third season where Cersei contemplates poisoning her own child. Right, before they get, they invade the yeah, King's Landing. Yeah, before like King's Landing is invaded, because she knows but, what will happen. But it's, so yeah, it's, he, he has to deal with his own shit, and he, yeah. there's no walking away from it, and he starts questioning them, and why do they believe, and yeah. why does this one guy keep getting brought back? Yeah, it's like, who the fuck are you to where, like, you need to be brought back so many times, and he's like... I don't know. Man. Uh, you don't think I don't ask myself that question, you know? Yeah. So he's, he's questioning his faith because he has to deal with his shit at the same yeah. time. And, um, that's when they're, <laughs> they're like walk over to the fire. Yeah. So the irony is not lost on me. Here's a guy who hates fire, mm. who has been burned by fire is scared by fire. And even he says, it's just my fucking luck that I have to, I'm walking around with a bunch of fire worshipers. Yeah, pretty much. Which was like the dude who's borderline on being like the Frankenstein equivalent of being like, right. Afraid of fire. Well, Frankenstein's monster. Right. Afraid of fire. Fire bad. Yeah. 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 But so they make him come over and look into the fire. Mm. And that's when he sees the vision of the white walkers walking past. uh, I think he said it was a, 
arrowhead on a mountain or something yeah. like that, which like, is probably that castle. Yeah, well, you mentioned like a fortress near the sea and a mountain sort of thing, right? Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, here's a guy. I, I'm really, and I said this on John's podcast, and I'll say it again. I'm beginning to think the Hound is going to have a significant role to play this season in some it, way, shape, or form. He's the had way a couple seasons where he's out. actually played like a decent role, but yeah, it definitely seems like they're wrapping all the characters up because like later on you see like Mormont again um, and you definitely see a lot of the side characters you haven't been seeing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. The Maybe one exception is like the one Baratheon bastard who rode off into the distance. We haven't seen that dude. Right, he is the only one who hasn't come but back. But more or less, everything else is kind of wrapping Coming itself up. full up. circle, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just beginning to think, though, because here's a guy who's drastically changing. Yeah, they definitely have... I don't know if I'd go so far to say it's a redemption arc, but... It's close, though. It's the closest thing I think you can get in this universe. Here's a guy who's basically... He's going to do a 180 at some point, or he's trending towards a 180. I mean, you definitely see a character... That was just brute, kill, fuck Maim, people over, yeah. or whatever. And you definitely see him Slowly. somewhat dealing with conscious and moral issues and, like, his own actions. Like, yeah, you definitely see a transition of the character. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, it, it starts... His humanity starts when he takes Arya out of hmm. King's Landing. Yeah, he, and at one point, Arya leaves him for dead. And kills him, essentially. Yeah. Before he's brought back to life by the... Well, I, he doesn't her. really die. He just gets close to it. Yeah, they find him and he's, yeah. he's revived. But either way, his, he's gone yeah, He's gone through this major transformation. And I just don't see them wasting that without some sort of... Payoff. Payoff. I don't know, man. Like, it's a weird show where it could just, like, just the mess with you. But at the same time, like, yeah, it's been a... Pretty yeah. big transition for the character. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I can't think of any other character on the show that has had that drastic a personal story arc. Not, not like as, the only one that comes close is actually Arya herself. As far as yeah, it, in maybe the, Sansa to a lesser extent. Because I always thought the Hound was just a side character, but he's a side character who is having a well, major character. One arc of the interesting of things about like this sort of universe is like in the books, each different chapter takes like a different character's perspective. So, like you have narratively characters that have more importance but it's you don't necessarily have a main character as much as this you have characters where you keep jumping between jumping back and forth which like is kind of really like the universe yeah. yeah that's cool um i never thought about it that way before actually um so yeah so to end this scene real quick uh he basically buries the man and the girl's remains yeah and tries to be poetic about it yeah and you starts, almost have the one dude helping him out he's like i don't know any prayers you say something or he's like hey, the father did it blah 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 and i fuck i don't remember the rest yeah <laughs> i'm sorry you're dead you deserve better yeah walks away but even that's kind of that's a big step for him though yeah I mean, like huge it, it's almost showing remorse publicly like yes like i know you deserve better than what i did to you precisely yeah, exactly it's a major step for him because he just left Carnage in his wake anywhere else. Yeah. In his time in his life, probably. Yeah. Even. So. Um, the only other, the next scene is very brief, and we just find out that Jorah is at the Citadel and is uh, probably there for his cure or looking yeah. for it. Like, cure. essentially, you see him just grab out a bowl and is like, has Daenerys landed? Yeah. And that's that's essentially it. That's pretty much it. But that's that's our first indication, though, that, like we were talking to... Mormont is there, yeah. That Mor- Mormont is there, and that the Citadel is more than just a 
collection of books and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that Another it actually works as like a medical, medical facility. facility and, and hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Like a teaching hospital, maybe. Which in itself is actually pretty interesting because like I was not aware of that at the Citadel at the point. I really thought no. it was just all training through books at yeah, that point. Yeah, a giant library and that's Yeah, because like shit. You look at some of the macers Scribes. in the early seasons, you don't really see them doing a whole lot outside of just sending ravens back and forth. Right. I, you just, I, I looked at them, yeah, they probably have some apothecary skills. And, yeah, like you just assume like, like they're academics and like they might, you know, transcribe things and they can actually read and write and like, like they're, they're educated for medieval times. Right. That's what I was thinking too. But obviously they're yeah. far more advanced than, than that. But so. the funny thing is like, you look at like the uh, old maester of like, King's Landing that do that wore the little chain things and all that never gave that indication that he was really anything outside of maybe knew some medical stuff like with like herbs and shit. Are you talking about Cersei's Maester? Yeah. yeah like the he, one before Well he's creepy to begin with but yeah. The one before um, the dude that created Frankenstein's monster out of the Oh you're mountain. talking about the old dude. Uh, the old dude. Killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I know you're talking like, about. Like technically he was the old Maester you never really see him do anything outside of giving like potions and shit. Right. So you, you have no indication. Mm. And then they, obviously it's a much bigger world. Yeah. Um, it, so, it's weird actually to see like this kind of going into like the final seasons and still be kind of world building like that though. Yeah. Because like between Dragonstone and that, like you definitely are seeing more areas and it is expanding the universe more. Yeah. Even though it is kind of wrapping up at the same time. Well, it might. And again, I, I think, and I've mentioned this in, the last season, I think they're going to go back. You're going to see a prequel series. You might see a sequel series. I think HBO is considering like three different, three like, different spin-offs. options. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, this world we're far from done with. We found out. I think you're on. I don't know if it was this episode or the next one. It's twelve different seas, and mm. God only knows how many other land masses there are beyond yeah. those seas. So you know, yeah, the world it's kind of like forever yeah. building. You know. Yeah. Um, all right, so final scene of episode one. Uh, Mother of Dragons returns home. Um, they make a landing at Dragonstone, mm. which is where we forgot to point out, but Jamie had said that that's where she was going. Yeah, this that's where, where she, he predicted she, he would go due yeah. to various elements. Deep, and... deep ports is where she was born, mm. uh, etc. Um, there's no hardly any dialogue here, but it's very visual. Yeah, um, it's thematically like it's it's really nice and like. Yeah. You have that kind of moment where she like almost touches, reaches down the sand yep. and touches, touches and, it. Like it's the first time she's touched her, her homeland, homeland, like yeah. home soil for like God only knows. Yeah, precisely. Um, you do, and this is where you do see kind of in the background what looks like shiny dragon glass by the beach, kind of yeah. sort of. So that might. Be oh, I hadn't the, even noticed that. Yeah, it kind of looked it? like it to me. It looked like dragon glass. I could oh. be wrong. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I just noticed, like, you have, like, Grey Worm and, like, Tyrion in the background, like, kind of the small ships. Yeah. So this was, uh, so you kind of see that in the background on the, while she's walking on the beach. Mm. And then they, the rest is just, it's very cinematic, and they're opening the doors, and it, you just, the, the music, and you just get the feeling, and the way she's walking and leading. Yeah. She's very much in control. She's very much in command. This mm. is her moment. Yeah, this is her return home. Like, it's a triumphant sort of thing. Return. Even though it's... Very silent at the same time. Right. There's not much going on. And uh, even when, I think even Grey, when they get to the throne room, Grey Worm's going up to protect her and they, they pull him back. And yeah. Like, no, let her have At the same moment. time, that throne room looks pretty fucking badass. That bro, I do love the throne room with like, the, 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 the giant, like, rock, rock that's formation sh- throne sh- thing. It almost looks like dragon glass, too. It might be. But Could at be. the same time, it's like, you, 
it's such a weird contrast to like the Iron Throne that's just like swords of enemies just being welded together. Yeah. Whereas this is just like almost probably the same thing, just with like stone and glass just kind of formed out of it. Yeah, it's very. Um, but it's very stylistically different. It's it's very uh, it's almost um, I would say dragon scale esque. Yeah, in a way, it's very rough and yeah, yeah. Like, it just has a very different thing to it. And it's very visually cool. Yeah, and the one thing I loved about this scene is at the very end, she walks up to the throne and she walks right past it. Mm. She has no interest in sitting down and ruling. She goes right to the war room. Yeah. She has another war to fight. Right. She it's... goes right to it. She goes. She she goes to the. She looks at the table. Stands in front of it. Goes. Shall we begin? Yeah. She's not here to rule. She's or here to rule the dragon. So she's here to conquer. Yeah. And that's what I love about that scene. Yeah, it is very nice, and it, the elements for it work very well. I, I loved it. It was a great way I to think end a really oh, good episode. I actually think this is a better epi- like ending than like how episode two ends, even though I think I might actually like two more. Yeah, slightly. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, like so. this entire episode, it just hits all the points it needs to hit, and it ends on ends and begins on such a high note. It really does. And it, it's, it's very satisfying. Uh, there's, like I said, in past episodes of game of thrones um it, it's always it's kind of slow that first yeah. episode it's usually, just setting up what's usually it's happen. very slow it's kind this of episode just not keeps this, hitting all the spots this one was like bing 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 boom boom yeah i mean there, there was some dialogue obviously but the dialogue was even great yeah. you know you had some real confrontation yeah cersei and jamie yeah like the all the dialogue served a point like none of it was you know character building for the sake of character building like it all multitask. It was character building and plot, plot development, furthering. Right. You know? It was great. Yeah. Loved pretty it. much the entire thing did very well. So uh, we'll take a break here. And uh, so, real quick, uh, your grade for episode one so far? Oh, A plus. A plus. Easily. Same here. A plus as well. Like so. Like I said, it, it hit all the spots. It did it all quickly. Every scene was multitasking in different ways, and mm-hmm. I it was phenomenal. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's where we will leave episode one. So let's move right into episode two. Stormborn was the name of this episode. Uh, So if you have not seen episode two yet, folks, stop this podcast right here. Go watch it and then turn us back on. We can talk about it. So you've been warned. Uh, Moving into episode two. Episode two starts right off with... We're right back where we we left episode one off. It's it's, uh, Daenerys at the... uh, her table. It's at night now, though. Yeah. She's at the. They might have the been there. Maybe war table sort yeah, of the thing. war table thing. Might have been there a couple of days at this point. Hard mm. to tell. Um, but right away, it's almost a confrontation right between Danny and Varys right mm. off the bat, which I was not expecting. Yeah, like where she kind of starts questioning his motivation, and yeah. Well, I think before that, we have like kind of the plan between of how to deal with, like the actual war plan, don't we? Before no, we get to the confrontation with Varys, that's okay. later in the episode. Uh, this is just kind of her talking. It's actually her, Tyrion, and I think Grey Worm's there, but he doesn't do anything. Yeah. It, and then Varys. Yeah. Yeah, where you have Varys more or less defending his position of what he's done in the past. And yeah. Actually gives a very reasonable argument. Oh, I thought like, it was great. It was great back and forth, I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, and because they start off, they're like, you were born on a night like this, talking about her and, mm. you know, the talk that dog's howl blah 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 yeah and that's what starts her conversation with Varys yeah and she's like well didn't you serve both my father and Robert and you betrayed both of them mm. so 
what good are you? Yeah. I mean, just right at him. I mm. was not expecting that at all. Yeah, like, why should I trust you if you have a long history of betraying people you don't like or don't agree with? Right. And his argument is, like, I grew up, I was in a, from a royal family. I grew up in the fucking slums. Right. I, I've and had I my... care about what happens to those people, not who's ever in charge. Right. I'm here for the... And almost he's pretty much saying, like, and if you really do turn on those people, I would turn on you. I would betray on you, portray you as well. I thought that was excellent. Like, he kind but, of defends his stance on all of it. The entire dialogue between the two is great. And it's weird because she they kind of wraps up with this whole... If I'm not the person you want me to be, you need to confront me to face. And he's like, that's reasonable. That's fine. But, like, just as a heads up, if you ever betray me, I will have my dragon eat you. I will burn you alive. Yeah. And he's almost like, that's to be expected. I expect nothing less from the mother of dragons. Yeah. Perfect way to it. And it's almost just like, that didn't have to be said. Like, I I was kind of on board all the, anyway. Right, exactly. But it was a real good, I wasn't expecting her to test him, but essentially that's what she was doing. She mm. was testing him to see if he could be trusted. Yeah. With, to be part of her war council and her yeah. meetings and everything. Yeah, and it was a really good scene overall. Mm-hmm. And it, interesting because it kind of transitions to the next scene with the Red Priestess. And <laughs> yes. at the same time, she kind of still throws it in his face. Oh, yeah. She throws it because obviously um, he had his balls taken off by one of, by a priest of the Red. Is it? The, I thought it was by a different religion. Like no, it was just a random mage. No, it's, it's their religion. Oh, they, shit. No, we forgot. Uh, there actually is magic in this universe because you have that entire magic tower. Magic tower? Yeah, it's uh, in the different continent. Yeah, that's that's why we went by the necromancers or whatever. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so yeah, she throws it back in his face because she's questioning. Obviously, Varys doesn't trust this religion yeah. at all. Well, it's just funny because like she's like, "Oh, he served Stannis," and she's like, "Well, I guess it's good we're in yeah. the position. A good I'm, night to for, forgive people for serving other kings." Yeah, for we're, we're, we just got done pardoning somebody for yeah. serving another king. You're, you're on here on a good night. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Actually, it's a fun little a little back stab, and forth. Yeah, yeah in between the two. Um, and then she obviously brings up her big prophecy, right? Mm. Which is the prince, or now, the yeah. princess can bring the dawn. Well, it's kind of funny because they're like, oh, yeah, no, that language doesn't have gender terms. It's it's neutral. And it's like, I kind of see it because different languages function differently and there's going to be translation errors. Sure. It's a fun departure from like where the books left off with that because that's not really ever mentioned it, but... The books are so far behind now, it's... It doesn't matter. Yeah, like, it's on its own little universe now. (laughs) It's like, that's an interesting adaptation of it. I just assumed that it was going to be, like, a group thing, because I really think it's almost like a three-dragon head thing. I've got the same... I I agree with that theory. I think it is, too. I think there's three of them, and I think... Yeah, like, it's clearly Tyrion, Daenerys, and Jon Snow. Jon Snow, yeah. Because it hints at all three of them being Targaryens. This is just our theories, guys, but yeah, I agree. I agree 100% with you. Um, so, yeah, so she – but the interesting point about the prophecy is for the first time she pulls back mm. on it and goes, well, prophecies are, you know, yeah. can't always be trusted. Yeah, but, because the Red Priestess has seen – had prophecies that didn't necessarily go as planned. Didn't exactly plan out. So it was so nice. So she's a bit more cautious of what she used to be. It's nice to see her pull back yeah. a little bit and be a little bit humble for a change. Yeah, I mean, it's than... clearly a very different contrast than when she was under Stannis. It was yeah. very 
bold and very much a zealot. Now yes. seems almost more mild, mild and humbled by her. Maybe reserved, experience. reserved and humbled. I would yeah. say humbled even. Yeah. Like she's she's been knocked off her pedestal and then yeah. Some. I mean, pretty much you see her around the time that she brings John back. She's in complete doubt. Yeah, and it's it's funny because now she's. And that's the part where I, because she's now humble, I want to trust her. But it's like everywhere she goes, she uses this prophecy to try to get people to follow her, to follow her, and trust her and stuff. Because mm-hmm. she did it with Stannis, she mm-hmm. did it with John, yeah. And now she's trying to put John and Daenerys together, which I think is where we kind of expect this to go, right. anyway. So it, it's just the logical. It's a nice path for p- it. plot point, I'm sure. But still, it, it makes me wonder who. Can we trust her or not? Mm. That's that's the thing. Yeah, that's fair. You know, so, but I think it's one of the things like she's aware of what the White Walkers are. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, in terms of political differences, when you have that outside force coming in, that's your goal to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I just, I still think she could be absolutely be wrong that it's John and Daenerys though, because she was wrong about Stannis. Yeah, obviously. So. Oh yeah, I mean, could definitely be wrong about. Everything, but and she might clearly. I think she's working with the best of intentions in this scenario. I I'm hoping anyway she is. I certainly I don't I know wrong. what there her alternative be, motives would be, but I mean you could expand the faith. You can give yourself more political clout in the same way you saw um, the church in King's Landing last season. Was, you could definitely have a lot of those factors. Yeah, but I don't think they're as high a motivation. I hope not. I like I said, I would kind of want to like her. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. So, uh, but yeah, so she talks talks her into sending a raven, John, and invite mm. John to come. Well, according to her words, kneel before her queen. But, yeah. Um, obviously, Tyrion doesn't send that, which we'll talk about here mm. next. Actually, uh, so the message arrives at Winterfell, and um, they kind of come to the. You know, John just at this point is still very cautious. Mm. But he knows it's Tyrion because Tyrion throws in that line that both dwarves and, and bastards. bastards uh, uh, yeah, I can't remember the line. Can't remember the rest of it. But yeah, so he knows it's Tyrion for sure, or at least he's fairly sure. And is they, it all dwarves or bastards in their son father's eyes? Yes, something like that. Something like that. Um, and the uh, and they they kind of come to one conclusion after a brief debate between him and Sansa and uh, mm. the knight. Um, the fire kills White Walkers. Hmm. <laughs> and what breeds fire? Dragons. Oh, breed Davos. Yeah. Yes, Davos. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having dragons on your side against, you know, ice zombies is probably, probably for the best. Probably a good idea, maybe. So you know, assuming Cersei doesn't try to kill them all. Yeah. So. Exactly. We'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. We'll talk about that here shortly. Um, speaking of Cersei, so the next... Uh, Next scene is uh, Cersei um, trying to bring some lords to her side, I guess. That yeah, kind or of previously like with other houses, other like the houses or like the Tullys or like um, that have maybe pledged to the Tyrells mm. uh, in, in other fashions. Um, she kind of she uses the uh, the whole um, thought of savages and foreigners and Westeros. Yeah. Kind leverage, of kind of like racism in a way. Oh I yeah. Guess. It's essentially in what we would in modern context refer to as dog whistling, or if not just flat out race mm-hmm. scaring. 
Right, exactly. She's like, well, the Dothraki will rape your women. Yeah. Although she's probably got a point about that, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's the same tactics you've seen used against minorities in, like, the U.S. since pretty much Civil War era, if not before. Well, it's it's it's, it's a common theme in human history, and not yeah. just the U.S. But, yeah, it's, it's it's she's definitely trying to appeal to... Yeah, like, to it's, the, it's out there just full-on, you know, propaganda. Sure, she's trying to appeal to their fears and their anxieties and, mm. and, and whatnot. Um, and then uh, Lord Tully, who is Sam's father, mm. who we've met in last season brings up well, what about the dragons she has three of them mm. and all they said is we're working on a solution yeah looking you know and it's the, somewhat her, cautiously her dark maester as i like to call him mm. um yeah so um and that's pretty much it for that scene with well, the lords it does transition so, to jamie talking to right, uh tully to, later on so it? yep in fact that's the next scene even it's uh, lord tully and jamie talking um jamie's just kind of He's kind of trying to persuade Tully to fight with them and turn against the Tyrells because he's he's pledged yeah. to both the Queen, technically. And to he, the House Tyrell. To House Tyrell. Uh, we find out that Tully is apparently one hell of a general in the mm. battlefield because he's the only one to ever defeat Robert Baratheon in the field of battle, which is yeah. interesting. Mm. Didn't know that. A little yeah. bit of backstory. Yeah. Um, which would be interesting to see in a prequel series, um, I think. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's you pitching for a prequel series. Yeah, it is probably yeah. quite a bit, but hey, uh, wants him to be and even offers him to be his head general. Yeah, in and the war. is actually even sort of bribing. It was like, hey, yeah. we're going to need a new warden of the, the south. south. So, That'd be a good position for you, right, buddy? So, you know, I couldn't think of anybody better than you. So yeah. uh, you know, wink, which wink, isn't that's necessarily that's wrong, but at the same time, it's like, hey, if you betray the other house, you're kind of pledged to. We got some bonuses in for you. Yeah, he, he's trying to bribe him, but he's also trying to appeal. He's almost half-hearted about it, though, which is the weird bit in that scene. He's trying to walk a very fine line with him because, obviously, he's very bound by honor. Mm. Uh, you get that sense from him during yeah. these scenes? He's a very uh, traditional guy for this universe. Because even he says, we, we don't murder our friends at weddings. And yeah. We don't backstab. You know, I am a Tully. And that yeah, he's like, I'm not, I'm not one of your, you know, phase that's going to just right. do whatever. So he's kind of trying to appeal to his sense of honor while throwing a couple shiny things at him mm. at the same time. Well, I'll make you my general, and if we win... You can be the warden of the South, yeah, you know, kind of thing. So uh, Jamie being, um, I guess it's the first time we see Jamie be political, really. Yeah. You know, getting up to this point, he's just kind of, he's an interesting character, but, but he's, he's been more muscle, muscle than, than anything, than brains. Yeah, like really. he's pretty much you've either had Cersei or his father kind of taking that role, right, instead of him up until this point. Yeah, in fact, we're wrong. You've seen him clever and be kind of negotiating certain scenarios, but that was when he was imprisoned. Essentially. And that's kind of a, an interesting point that he's kind of like his father. I hadn't thought about that before. That yeah, he, it's almost as if um, Cersei has become their father's militant side, mm. and Jamie is now taking on the more political role of mm. her, of, her, of the father. Yeah, you know, kind of, sort of, in a way. I wonder if well, that yeah. continue. I mean, they're kind of dividing the strategies for the kingdom, and they kind of have to. Mm-hmm. work out how they're running because they don't really have like a hand council at this moment not at this point they don't have a lot to work with at, yeah. this, at this point um so yeah um so next scene is jorah with the archmaester um not a lot in the scene other than he says that your grayscale which we see is pretty much over 
I don't know, maybe three-fourths of his body. Yeah. Uh, it's gone too far. He told him you should have cut off your arm as soon as you saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's like, since you're a knight, I, I, normally I would send you off to Valeris to become a stone man and live maybe 20 years. But, but I'll, I'll give you a day. Give you a day to kill yourself. And uh, Well, he didn't say it that bluntly, but you but, see that little pan off the sword. like Yeah, stare at the sword. You can write off your final wishes or whatever. You, you do whatever you want. And the then you have... Oh, I can't think of his name. Uh, kind of talking about how... Well, I read this book where this one dude was able to cure Grayscale with this you know, old school technique. Yeah, He's like, one you do realize he died from Grayscale, right? right? Like, it didn't work that well. And that's why that procedure is now forbidden. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. Um, next uh, next scene is the dragon solution. Um, this is kind of a cool scene just to see all the different... Like uh, dragon dragon skulls. skulls and stuff that they've got and the one in. giant dragon skull. Yeah, that that was pretty impressive because that's even bigger than her dragon, mm. obviously. Um, and then you see this giant bowcaster, industrial strength bowcaster yeah. that they've built, and uh, the essentially something meant to just send a log flying a thousand feet or so. Pretty much, um, and it's and even the dark maester points out that well, we heard that uh, he they. Her main dragon was wounded in the arena, so mm. that means it can be killed. So yeah. We just made this industrial strength bow caster. <laughs> yeah. And he shoots it and it goes right through the dragon's skull, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty fun little scene. And it kind of shows maybe their industrialism a little bit here. Yeah. Kind of sort of. Once again, it goes to the maesters kind of, you know, slightly yeah. better than medieval times, you know, it's It's academics. almost kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio looking kind of design in a yeah, way. Yeah, it's not quite yeah. renaissance. Sons, but, but it's, it's getting, getting there. there. Yeah. So, um, moving on. Uh, meeting of the minds at Dragonstone. So this is where we were alluding to earlier, Aaron. This is where everybody's around the table. Yeah. And they're kind of discussing the, the strategy. Well, the funny thing is, like, I think earlier in this, uh, you have Tyrion. I think it might be in the earlier scene with them talking about you don't want to rule ashes. Yes. And she actually uses that line, line when talking to, like, everyone else. And you see him looking up, he's like, you took my line. And he's like, I'm very proud of that, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But, yeah. yeah it's a fun little scene, like, yeah. a little just subtle thing that's kind of amusing in the scene. Yeah, because I think they're wanting to use the dragons and just go. Burn the city down. Burn the city. And he's like, no. Yeah. He's like. Know. You don't want to destroy the people. You want to rule over them, not the ashes. ashes. Yeah. And actually, their plan, or Tyrion's plan, is pretty good. Essentially, just starve them out while they wait in there, mm-hmm. and then take Castle Rock, which is like the Lannister which, fucking homestead. Which is brilliant, because he even understands the political side of what Cersei's and the symbolic of trying to do with the lords already. Yeah. He already knows, and he's like, yeah, well, we're going to take the foreign army and take Castle Rock. You take the domestic guys and just surround the city. Yeah. Like, you can just starve them out, and yeah. legit, if they don't have resources, they aren't having the farmlands around them, mm-hmm. there's a big problem to having that large stronghold that doesn't have agriculture, you know, exactly. inside it. Meanwhile, we'll take the Dornish men, and we'll take uh, the Tarleys, tar- and we'll just surround, you know, King's you mean Land. the Tyrells? Or Tyrells, yeah. sorry, yeah. Tyrells, and we'll just surround the city while you take Casterly Rock with the Unsullied. Yeah. Then the, the foreigners. It's just, it's brilliant. Yo, it's actually a really good plan. Yeah. Also, if you don't have the dragons at, you know, Castle or at the uh, King's Landing, you don't have to worry about that giant bowcaster. Precisely. Which isn't even really an issue that they're aware of. They're not even aware of it yet, which 
kind of got me worried because I don't want to lose a dragon just yet. Um, well, I mean, there's, but, you know, we're, we're probably going to lose a dragon this uh, season. I think we are, yeah. Maybe two. Um, maybe three. Maybe. Um, so, yeah. So, so um, it's just a, so the, the other thing that I, I thought was interesting, and they, they even pointed this out uh, after the, the show and, like, the after show, they have uh, occasionally talking to the directors is you've got four female leaders mm. at this table, which is unusual for the time period, not only the time period, but really for any show or mm. any kind of movie, really, you don't see that yeah. too often. It's very true. And like, you have them of different age ranges. Like you definitely mm-hmm. see even Daenerys trying to like taking some advice from, which is the next scene. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I won't skip around too much, but taking some advice from Tyrell and, um, well, you, you see the, the, the Danish woman still being very aggressive. Yeah, and right off really still hating fucking Tyrion. Yes, very much I mean, so. like, one of my biggest regrets is my husband died protecting you. You're, you, yeah. yeah. Just, you know, there is no such thing as a good Lannister. Yeah. Blah, 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 yeah. And but more or less dealing with it, just like, fine. And then you have the... Um, Greyjoy. I can't remember her name, but... Um, uh, I just call her Lady Greyjoy. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, she has a real name. I just can't uh, think I can't think of the name. We're pretty bad with names today. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's been a while since we podcasted. It's, it is. It's, we're a little rusty. Um, but yeah. So kind of a cool moment. Hmm. And then Danny asked to speak with Elena, hmm. which is the Lady Tyrell. Yeah. and Or Queen, or whatever she is. Um, and I thought this was an interesting... Small tit for tat. Yeah. Kind of. Um, I like how she said, I'm no, you know, he's a very clever man, meaning Tyrion. Mm-hmm. And I have survived. I've known many of them and I've survived them all. <laughs> by ignoring them. By ignoring them. Yeah. Yeah. And she just basically after that says, you're a dragon, be a dragon. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see that old wisdom. Mm. And it's going to be interesting to see how Danny does, how yeah. she does that. It is kind of an interesting thing because you could make an argument. It's them dealing with it from different perspectives. You have Tyrion, who's always been a little dude, always been small, always trying to outthink and be out clever his opponents. Mm-hmm. But he's not used to having dragons on his side. Who's not used to more or less controlling the entire weight of an army, which is pretty. Like much- even when you see him defend King's Landing earlier on in the show, that's in a situation where he is outnumbered, where he is the little guy trying to outthink his opponent. Right. That is him acting as he normally would, whereas this is acting as a more aggressor that he's not used to. That's a very good point. And when you think about the dragons, they're kind of like the weapons of mass destruction, or at least an air force, a bomber mm. <laughs> air force. Yeah, you know? I mean, no other you know, army in this game has an air force. Right. And if you don't have an air force before, you may not know how to utilize them properly. Right. So it's a whole new element. Yeah. Know? And I kind of like her idea that she her 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 old wisdom is rule out of fear. People, you can't rule somebody if they don't fear you. And mm. that's was kind of her argument during it's a very, the um, whole thing. It's a very old school way of looking at it. I think I think so, but it's also probably the most simplistic. I think maybe too. Mm. You know, because well, Tyrion's plan is very complicated. Good, you know, she has a good logic for it that you know her daughter or granddaughter was well loved, but her granddaughter wasn't betrayed by the people, right? Which is something she might be overlooking here, right? Exactly. So, you know, it, it may be her way. Maybe isn't the most politically sound, or even the most oh, yeah. humanitarian. I mean, there is also sound. it is. Coming from a perspective that 
she's old and she's probably okay just watching that entire city burn after what happened. Yeah. Pretty like, much. There there is a certain vindictiveness there where oh, yeah. if she could talk Daenerys into burning the whole thing down, she'd she, probably be would. Oh yeah, she's incredibly bitter and she has every right to be. No yeah. no offense. I mean our whole family's dead. Yeah. Her future is dead. Yeah. That house is dead, yeah. essentially. Pretty much a family that was about just growing and prospering and continuing and... Right. Yeah, just cut down. I mean, they come from... We've never seen it, but they come from High Garden, which is supposed to be beautiful and luscious, mm. and obviously there's no future for that now. Yeah. It's kind of weird because I, I've never thought about it until now, but the Lannisters have no future, technically. The Tyrells have no future, technically. Yeah. So it's kind of the spokes of the wheel. Yeah. One of the funniest things, the Starks, up. who are the most divided within the first couple of seasons, because everyone goes their separate way, are all kind of collecting and are probably one of the most sound houses left. Of what's left, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a good point. Because you have Arya, you have Sansa, you have Jon Snow, mm-hmm. you have Bran. Bran, yeah. Like, Bran. they pretty much only lost, like, one of the kids. Well, they lost Rickon. Yeah. Oh no, they lost two. They yeah. lost Rickon and they lost um, uh, Robert. No. Yeah, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. So, like so, the family you thought was getting the most screwed in the first three to four seasons. And don't get me wrong, they get are screwed, actually the but... ones that survived. Well, yeah, they're the wolves. You yeah. Know? But um, yeah. don't get me wrong. I guess you can also make the argument the Greyjoys could keep going, but not really. Well, unless yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. All right. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, you yeah. on Greyjoy is still existing so yeah. far. Yeah. I mean, it's not a character we knew at the beginning, but still. Still. But yeah, both the Lannisters and the Tyrells are essentially dead families walking. Yeah. And speaking of um, maybe getting it on or their lack thereof or some. Anyway, Grey Worm finally gets some. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, you see him in a sexual situation and. Or as best as he can get some, I guess. I I think in his position he can. It's just not what we would view as like heteronormative, like. Or penetrative. Be as satisfying, I would think. But, hey. I don't know to what extent what equipment he's left with and what sensations there. Yeah. Like, I'm assuming there's something there for him. Because even if you look at, um, there's an interesting thing if you look at paraplegics that actually can't feel like below the waist. Yeah. Lots of times they'll develop areas that are as sensitive uh, in terms of nerve function that allows them to still replicate orgasm. Well, hopefully. I would hope so. Yeah. Like yeah. So I'm sure there's something there that works for them. It's just not what you would view it as like, you know, traditional you know, sexual relations sexual from relations. your point of view. Yeah. So, but there's something there that's going to work for him. And clearly he's, you know, well, in a yeah. giving situation. So it's going to work for her too. And, uh, you know, obviously he's still very good with his tongue and, uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, things are good. Things yeah. are good. So, so there, there's going to be something that works out there. They're, they're going to have a good time. They had a couple good lines there. I had no fear before you. you oh yeah. Know, like it's, fear, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of romantic. Yeah, it's romantic. You know. it, it's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think so? It was okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Didn't make you all teary-eyed? No, no, not really. Oh, okay. I mean, I thought she she looked good naked. But, you know, hey. <laughs> really? Uh, that's your takeaway from the scene? Yeah, I hate to be shallow here, but yeah. yeah I don't know. I thought that was like kind of a romantic sentiment. Like, I don't know how to say goodbye. I'm afraid of losing you. I, I That was meant to be beaten out of me as a child. Like, it, yeah. I thought it was a nice gesture. It was but, nice. It was good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right. He got some. Good for him. 
next scene. Um, Sam tries to cure Jorah. So, obviously. Yeah, you see him, big, long gloves, kind of apron on. on. This was actually kind of a fun scene. And a weird contrast <sighs> to the more sensual, sexual thing that came before it. Because this almost yeah. goes into, like, body horror. It really Like, when was. you start going into, like, actually cutting out, like, the grayscale. Oh, it was nasty. And you start seeing, like, the pus forming out. Oh, it was horrible. It was so nasty. Um, I, I can literally see you cringing. Yeah, I pretty much was. Um, you you can you got me packed. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so Sam being the rebellious good doer that he is he's like i was with your father when he died i'm here to you're not dying today yeah Jorah. um yeah so he literally yeah he they, pretty much just gives him like here here's a bunch of alcohol this is gonna hurt like fuck. yeah drink drink this and and by the way don't scream because if you do we're both fucked yeah so bite onto this because this is gonna hurt, <laughs> hurt like a motherfucker, motherfucker. So, like, this is almost old-school, like, Civil War surgery where they don't yeah, have any drugs. No to anesthetic and nothing like that. Like, um, just get drunk, bite down hard, we're doing this. Yeah, so the minute he starts peeling away, <laughs> cutting away at his scales, this pus just starts flowing out, and then he has to dig into the pus. Oh, it was just... And then they made that... And then again, they, I don't know what it is with Game of Thrones trying to gross me out this season, but... They go right from him digging into pus to somebody digging into a bowl of soup that looks like the same color. Yeah, yeah. To transition to Aria and pot, pot yeah. pies. So, reunion. out of curiosity, do you find it funny, more or less, the cure to grayscale is pretty much cut off the grayscale and apply ointment? Yeah, it sounds kind of familiar, huh? Um, no, no, it's just funny no, because, okay. like, just essentially, kidding. like, I think they translate some of the ingredient list, and, like, one of the things is, like, olive oil. Well, I was just kind of like, honestly, you know what I thought? I was like, okay, so he's got some, so he's got scales. You take off the scales and you apply ointment. Okay, so this is kind of like the plague meets the clap because of the pus. It was just kind of like, what the I did not this? make that comparison at all. I was just thinking like a skin condition like psoriasis or something. No, I was totally going, I was like, so he just puts an ointment on and that cure, it's my cure him, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think they're going to cure. I, tried, like, I think that's where this is going. Honestly, I tried really hard not to think about it after I thought saw that scene. I was Why? Like, Did you prefer thinking about like the pus bowl? No, no. The bowl no. of like, what was it? Like a pot pie or something? Yeah, they go right from that to dig, him digging into the pus to somebody digging into a pot pie yeah. that just happens to be the same color. And I'm like, oh my God, these people are trying to destroy every, like me ever eating anything again. Well, you already um, have issues eating things. So. Uh, yeah, I do. But that's side point. Um, <laughs> all right. So yes, Aria and hot pie have a quick reunion. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause you haven't seen him for like two or three seasons, I think. Which is kind of to your point about them trying to come full circle. Yeah. Like some kind things. of bring everyone back and kind of wrap things up. Right. Funny little tidbit. The actor that plays uh hot pie or pot pie or whatever oh, yeah? actually is opening a bakery in real life. Is, is it really? Yeah. And it's going to be called, you know, nothing John Doe. And I find <laughs> that super funny. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, you know I think nothing John Doe. I think it's a good thing. Like, I don't know how long that's going to be successful for him. As long as but it, I think it's got like another year or two. I think as long as they have some sort of Game of Thrones show on, whether it's this yeah. one, a prequel or a no, sequel. It's going to be so disappointing if people go there. It's like, I want to see how good this is. And it's like, it's crap. This is horrible. Yeah. You Terrible. got na- you got the name down, but everything else sucks. 
Uh, it's a fun little tidbit for it. As long as they brown the butter beforehand, right? Yeah. But so, uh, really, the only thing to take away from this reunion, other than it's nice to see them together again, is she learns that John is king of the north and heads yeah. for home, which I found surprising. I thought she already knew that. No, just actually, by assumption, I guess. Well, the funny thing is, like, as she's leaving, you actually see her turn around where she was heading to kill Cersei in King's Landing, and yeah. now she is heading back north to actually reunite her family. Which was, I just. I I just automatically assumed that no, she No, I think knew. she more or less assumed everyone else died. Maybe. Like, she was Apparently, there. yeah, that's what she thought. But the interesting like, thing She thought about, the Boltons were still there. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you do have, like, a bit of an extra tidbit. And you see this a bit in the camping scene last episode where you see her just tearing in the pot pie, drinking me, and just, like... Mm-hmm. Just like a fucking soldier, just going into it, like because she hasn't eaten, you know, for however long. Well, she's definitely not a lady, and we, we we'll talk about that a little bit more in her next scene. But yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of how she is. Yeah, know? I mean, that's an interesting little tidbit. But yeah, it really does set up for like her transitioning from traveling down south to King's Landing to kill Cersei to being like, I have family still. I'm going home. I, yeah, I can be happy. Yeah, essentially. Um. So, uh, next scene is John kind of back where once again, we're in open North court, I mm. guess. And John, where he's more or less making the case for him going down to going down to Dragonstone. Dragonstone. Um, he brings up the fact that he's gotten an invite from Tyrion and from, uh, um, from Danny who has the three dragons. Mm. And he also brings up the other, he got from Sam saying there's a whole mountain full of, of dragon glass. glass. It's like, this has, this is our entire arsenal we fucking need. Right. And he also brings up the point is, we don't have enough fucking people to fight she the does. fucking White Walkers. She has the people, she has the dragons, and the dragon glass. Like, win, win, we win. can do the best we can with what we have, and I want to do that, but what we have probably is not enough. enough. So, yeah, so it's, it's pretty much a win, win, win for them. They've got the dragons, they got the people... The armies and they've got the dragon glass. Yeah, the uh, downside is more or less that you have to have Jon Snow go down there, right? And essentially, essentially the North's a little paranoid about sending their rulers down south. And they do bring up a point, which again, I didn't know anything about this because I've never read the books. But I guess Ned's dad was lured down there by the Mad King and burned alive. Yeah. So. Yeah, and the uh, the last Targaryen they interacted with was the Mad King, and generally is not a good reputation to follow. No, apparently not, and I don't blame him. So, so well, yeah. yeah, that and I mean, you know, Ned went down and he got you know murdered by the Lannisters. So, right, it's generally not a great thing. So you got a Lannister and a Targaryen. Well, that and I mean, you also have to go down, and like I don't know if you necessarily have to how far away from King's Landing you have to travel through to get to Dragonstone, which might play a role in it as well. It might. It might. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's. they said they had to go somewhere and then take a boat um, yeah. from there. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it's obviously risky for him to go south, too, by himself, obviously. Yeah. So, But I think he makes a good point. He's like, well, I'm going to leave the, you know, the mm-hmm. north in good hands. And he's like, with who? With you, yeah, obviously. With you, Sansa. And she up she's arguing with him the whole time until she hears that. And then she's fine with it. Yeah. Which, well, I mean, he's up pretty much already made his point. He's like, you, you've elected me to help. And I took that because I want to help. Right. But it's not a position I asked for. This is not what I wanted. But you elected me. This is my decision. And yeah. while I'm gone, Sansa's in charge. Yeah. 
Yeah. And after that, she's cool with it, which yeah. I was kind of like, eh, okay. I was like, yeah, I can see why she's good with that. But at the same time, it's not, she's getting what she wants. Is I mean, what she really wants, really. I mean, kind of, but at the same time, like it's one of the things like, it's also a logical decision from John's point as well. So yeah. it's kind of hard to fight when it's both like, I'm going to make you ruler of the North while I'm gone. And it's actually for the best decision anyway, so just don't fight it. Right. And she just nods her head, and yeah. that's the end of it. Um, next scene is, I guess John goes down to the crypt to uh, visit his dad, or what he thinks is his dad anyway. Mm. Um, well, I imagine it is. Well, Ned actually isn't his dad, so it's actually... Oh, yeah. He's, that's fair. Right. But he well, doesn't, means adopted he doesn't, father. He doesn't know that. Yeah. Um, either way, so... Uh, he goes down to the crypt too, and there's a statue of Ned there, and mm. Littlefinger comes strolling up. Well, you know, I'm the one who brought his bones here, and I just want you to know that. And uh, you know, we had our differences, me and your dad, but we both loved your mother, and even though she didn't love you, did she? Yeah, and wasn't Which fond of you. Kind of a shitty thing to bring up. A if really you, in shitty that moment. It's like really not winning people over that one. Like usually, Littlefinger's a bit more tactful about that. Yeah, I. Like, I, I think it was meant to transition to like, well, look what you become. You did so much better than her expectations. Than she ever could have thought that you would have been. Mm. And by the way, I loved your mother very much, but I also love Sansa just as much. Mm. And that sets him off. And that would have said, I probably would have done it before. I and yeah, John just kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, even before they's like, you really shouldn't be down here. This is, you're not welcome. Here. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to warn him and he just keeps going. Yeah. And I'm not sure if Littlefinger is doing that to try to see where John's allegiance lies, or if he's just trying to get John to attack him so he can tell Sansa, "Hey, John, attack me." By the way, you know, I, I really don't know what the motivation of that conversation is. I can't figure Unless it out. Unless he's yet. supposed to be one of the things like he does bring up. Well, if without my army, you wouldn't be here, sort of thing. Yeah, he did bring that up. Yeah. Unless it's one of those things like you kind of owe me, buddy. Come on. Come on. You know, you can support me here with your sister, right? Yeah. Maybe. Put in a good word for me. Yeah. Yeah. It totally backfires. Yeah. Like, in yeah. either way, that's the douchiest way of, like, trying to arrange that sort of thing anyway. It's just... It's, uh, it's like, it's kind of creepy that he's after, like, his old flame's daughter sort of thing. His old flame's daughter. It's in front of his father's uh, crypt. Yeah. And his father split this guy in two. He just happened to survive. Yeah. It, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's very yeah, there's a lot of creepy shit about it. And, like, don't get me wrong, I actually find Littlefinger an interesting character in a lot of the previous seasons, but really in this one, like, just the creepiness of the character's just gone way stronger than it used to. Well, there's really not much, I mean, left to tell with him. I mean, other than his creepy side has really come out. I mean, yeah. that's his whole motivation. Yeah, it's really, you're seeing him in Endgame, and it's this super creepy thing. Yeah, because he's... He's after two things. He's now in love with the daughter of the woman he loved, supposedly. Even though he arranged her marriage to yeah, someone else for political and, gain. And he obviously wants the throne. We know yeah. that. We've known that for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really... I'm. I more than I despised him before. Now I I really begin. But, to I mean, that could him. also be for political gain as well. Because if you more or less have Sansa as Queen of the North, he's more or less the kingmaker of the Vale. Right. Or the more or less just the king and the prince's of the place. Vale. Yeah. Like, <coughs> you want to give yourself a larger army in the north while also kind of giving yourself more political gain. It's not a bad way of going about it. It's just creepy. It's very creepy. I, I, yeah. Ugh. 
Uh, so let's just move on. Um, next scene is a very, as probably it's a pretty interesting scene to me. I really like the scene. It's Arya reunites with Nymeria, her old dire wolf. At least we think it is. Pretty sure it is. I mean, like it, it's hard to say. It's definitely like, she a, doubts it at the end when like. Nymeria doesn't want to go with her sort of thing, but... Actually, that is a double meaning, and I'll explain it in a minute. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she's surrounded by the wolf pack, and all of a sudden this dire wolf comes out. She recognizes it as her dire wolf. Mm. Tries to call out to it, and... Yeah, drops her sword and all that, and, and she's like, like hey. I'm coming home, I'm going home, I'm going mm. home, you know? And and the, the dire wolf just kind of walks away. Yeah. Honestly, that entire scene, I was just expecting just that giant dire wolf just, like, bite into her shoulder. Like, mm-hmm. I keep expecting them just to do that thing of Arya where it's like, seems like she's doing okay. Well, fuck that. Yeah, there is that slight element. I agree. There was like, a little bit every, of fear in the background. They shot that scene with her in the first two episodes. And they've done it twice already. Yeah. Where, like, you're just almost expecting things to go bad. Because she's a Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the meaning, the, the reason why she said... Um, um, what, what was it? That's not her. Or that's not me. Mm. It's actually a throwback to um, season one, where Ned is like sitting down with her in, in uh, King's Landing, mm. and he's like, "Well, you're gonna, you know, it's time you become a lady. You can, you're gonna wear dresses. You're gonna meet noblemen. You're gonna marry a nobleman." Mm. And she literally just turns to Ned and goes, that's not me, mm. but that's not me, dad. Yeah. You know, and this is kind of her getting reminded of that mm. through the wolf because the wolf, she, seasons ago, she threw rocks at the wolf in order to get it away to save her life because mm. um, Cersei would have had it killed. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the wolf has its own life outside of her. Okay. She's trying to get the wolf to come back to her because she's going home. Yeah. So, you know, come along, be my my pet again. Yeah. And the wolf turns away from her because that's not what the wolf is. Okay. So it's kind of, it's very symbolic of I actually would not have picked up on that. That's actually kind of a cool, like, kind of thing. I had a little help with that after show. They they made a few points. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that something they commented on? They commented on it. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I looked into it a little further. I'm like, oh, yep, sure enough. Okay. That's kind of cool. Like, I actually thought she just was like doubting that was her like she was thinking he was like a wrong wolf sort of thing nope it's actually it's kind of like her looking at herself in a way so the question it's kind of an interesting little bit i wouldn't have considered that yeah so the the question now is now that ari's kind of had this moment of self-reflection and realizing that she is not she's not that that little girl anymore she's mm. not and she's definitely not a noble person yeah will she continue home or will she go back on her mission oh like is that something where that's a cross crossroads for her? for her and then it's like you can't go home again so you have to like go she on could. it's just a different home and she's a different person and she has to go well or she has to go on being who she is what just the assassin the assassin families yeah until single her, stroke until her job's done because she has that list still. She doesn't say it anymore, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, she only has a couple of people left on that list, though. Sure. I mean, she she's close. You have Cersei and you have the Jamie. hounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, she thinks the hound's dead, so... Yeah. You've got Jamie and you've got uh, Cersei and there might be one or two other people. I have to go back and research yeah. that. But, I mean, um, essentially, you take out the Lannisters and you might have one person left. You might. Um, so, yeah. So, that's... It, it's very symbolic. It's very reflection. Yeah, that's that's kind of cool, man. So, I like that. 
I don't know. What do you think? Do you think she goes on? Oh, on I think home? she's still continuing, like North, because I actually think if you have Bran coming from North of the Wall, and he's going to eventually travel to Winterfell. Yeah, you have Arya going back mm-hmm. to Winterfell. You, if it wasn't for the fact that Jon just fucking left, yeah, you'd essentially have like the remaining Starks uniting under a single house, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I would like to see it. I just wonder if she's going to do it now. Yeah. So, um, all right. So next scene, Lady Greyjoy and the Queen of Dorne. Um, it's a pretty brief scene. <laughs> it's a funny scene. It's a funny scene. Um, Cause Dorne is just fucking with the one. Uh, Dorne is, is like, she's just fucking with Theon so heavily. Dorne loves to ridicule people and have sex with people. Apparently. Um, uh, anyway, so yeah, they're kind of flirting together. <laughs> it's a, uh... It transitions a little beyond flirting, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it starts to go into sex. Like if they weren't interrupted. Yeah, they would have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. and But basically, the big thing we take away from this brief scene is the Queen, queen of Dorne asks, well, what are, what are you? What is Theon to you? And yeah. she goes, well, he's my going to be my protector. Mm. He's going to be my advisor. Yeah. And then they kind of reinforce the point that, you know, he should be protecting you while I'm slowly making my way to my hands down your pants. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, he's really not protecting, protecting you in this you scenario. Party, is he? And Though, then, I don't think she wants to be blocked in that way. Really. Right. Exactly. I, I think he's really acting in her best interest. There. Well, right before the, the explosion, she's already given him the nod, like get the fuck out. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, Hey, I don't have a sock in the door, but this should be pretty obvious. obvious. Yeah. It's like time to go. And then of course, Euron's attack starts, uh, which is the final scene. Mm. Um, oh, did you see his axe in that, though? That was pretty badass. Is that not it? the best weapon we've seen on this show? Dude, I tell you. Like, I'm not usually a person that buys, like, replicas from, like, Lord of the Rings or, like, Harry mm-hmm. Potter. Or, like, any of, like, like, the weapon replica things. But part of me wants that fucking axe. <laughs> that is a fucking amazing looking axe like it's an axe and has like the little fucking tentacle bits all over it mm-hmm. like it's fucking beautiful just as a piece of like equipment or uh, like art, design or yeah. art yeah oh I, yeah i would fucking hang that on the wall the axe is badass and even how the bridge comes down from the front of the ship yeah it just like cracks down like a crocodile crocodiles yeah it's badass dude i i i love it's another great game of thrones battle scene i yeah. mean it's just it's a little quicker than some of the other ones but it's yeah. also like a surprise attack Yes. Which I really think works in Yuan's favor because, like, had they seen that sh- attack coming, like, they might have put able to a get better a- defense. But- or can get away, maybe, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 gritty. Uh, t- two of the girls of Dorne, of the three sisters, are, lose their lives Yeah, by the end like, of this battle. does it in pretty harsh ways. Yeah. Like, and you see them, like, literally fighting with Yuan and just, like... Yuan does a really good job. Yuan does a good job on both of them, really. Yeah. yeah. Don't wrong. They put up a fight, too, though. It's oh, not yeah. like they just went no. gently into the good night. No, no. I mean, you see some intense fights, especially the but one like with you, the whip. And... Yeah, like you see, actually see him like pull the whip towards them. And like, yeah. it was just pretty badass. It's badass, very gritty. People getting their throats slit, mm. run through. I, a typical, like I said, typical Game of Thrones yeah. style battle. It was battle. just like. This is the first like ship to ship battle we see, yeah. though. Like, this is. Like, had you seen this in any of the Pirates movie, you'd been like, damn, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, Pirates just got got real. Yeah. <laughs> real fast. Pirates went full pirate. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Um, 
And then the big disappointment. This is where I'm like yelling at the screen. Theon. Theon, yeah, after Theon, his Theon, sister gets Theon, caught. Theon. After yeah. saying he's her protector, protector, you see him like seeing people get their tongues cut out. You see the blood and the guts, and you like just see him just freak out and just transition back back to Reek. Theon returns to Reek. Yeah, reptilian brain just took over. Like that PTSD just fucking kicked in, and it just not only did it kick in, and he left his sister with an axe at her throat with mm. Euron. Basically, Euron has captured her. Yeah. And you, don't just, know, like, you might forgive that if it came across like he had a plan, but no, it just looks reactionary. Like he just freaked the fuck out and just caved. He did. He just, and he but jumps like, over the ship's side. He's legit, like, I'm out of like, here. What is he going to do in this scenario when he's out of men, his sister's captured? There's not much he can do. Like, but he didn't like follow the ship. Like he didn't do anything. Well, at least, I don't know. Pick up your sword. At least go out fighting. Something. He just. Yeah, like I know he didn't the turn ball. himself in or anything. I know the guys had his balls removed, but st- seriously, yeah, like he was he was mentally tortured. I get it. Like, but you have like that mentally. PTSD kicks in and that reptilian thing kicks in and just like it happens. But, I mean, like I, you're just seeing him floating in the water at the end. You're like, come on, do something, follow the ship. No, something. He's the biggest weakling puss, puss in the whole damn show, and it drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm hoping it gets a redemption moment, but I don't think, so, you know. One of the interesting scenes about that scene, like, before he jumps is you actually see, like, Yuan's crew cutting out the tongues of other dudes. And the reason for that is because that's how he recruits people on his ship. He recruits people from, like, soldiers he spares. But okay. he cuts out all their tongues. That's why the ship's called The Silence. Really? Yeah. Wow. I know. That's fucking, like, Ooh, dark and awesome, right? I like, like that. Like, you know man. how Davos was spared from Stannis, but he still lost his hand? hand? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, like, if they agree to go to a ship, or if they just cut out his tongue and they have the options, like, you can work for me, or you can die. So his entire ship is just, the entire crew's mute. They can't Bunch talk to mutes. each other. They can't try to rebel. They can't communicate that sort of thing to, like, try to overthrow him. Wow. Because he, that's why the silence is just... Mute. It's mute. That's why, with the exception of him, that's an interesting little dark twist. I like it. Oh, I know, right? Like it adds so much to that scene, doesn't it? It adds so much to the scene and the character, really. Yeah, I didn't realize that though. Yeah, like that's that's what's happening when Mm. um, Theon's freaking out. He's he's actually watching them cut out people's tongues. I'm gonna. I think I'm beginning to like him as the new baddie. (laughs) Huh. But no, I mean, like it's a dark little element to like very dark. It's very dark and twist. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, no, it really for, adds to it. For, it's for a good a vi- little element. For a villain, yeah, very much so. Huh. But, I mean, then it, like, mm. it gives the silence, like, dual meaning. Like, not only is it, like, a quick, silent, blitzkrieg sort of ship, which it was. Right. Even though it's so fucking big, but it has, like, the multi-sail thing. But it also has that, like, that's just how he runs the ship. Because he pretty much makes it so they couldn't fucking rebel unless they could fucking read or write. Or, yeah, learn how to give sign language. Yeah, and they don't. Like, you don't have sign language, as far as we know, in this universe. Most of the world's illiterate. Yeah. So, pretty much, they can take orders, and that's it. And that's it. Damn. That's pretty cool, dude. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's All a right. cool little tidbit. I forgot where I read that at, but it's a, it's a nice little element to it. Mm. All right, Aaron. So, uh, your final... What do you think of uh, The Great? What would you give episode two, Stormborn? I'd probably give it an A as well. I do find the ending a little disappointing with just it ending on just Theon just loafing off in the water. Yeah. But otherwise, I actually think it might be a better element 
or better episode than the first one yeah. of the season. I think this is probably the best combination, the vert, the best start to any season they've had. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's so definitely far. the quickest start. It's the quickest start, and like, it, and it gets into the main action like pretty right away. Like between like the fight scene this time, the Arya killing off the phrase last se- episode. Like really, you just have so much happening in each episode. Like there hasn't been. Like, I don't know if we're going to have, like, an episode that's just setting up, like, the rest of the season sort of thing. Because mm. so much seems to be happening. I agree. Like, it's really just in Endgame. At this point. Yeah, and when you think about it, we have five episodes now left this yep. season. An additional seven next season. So, really, there's only 12 to yep. wrap everything up in. Yeah. 12 hours to wrap up the, the entire Pretty thing. much you have 12 episodes to wrap up what took four or five seasons to set up. Set up. So that's quite a bit to do. And so, yeah, there. So maybe we're not getting much in quantity, but we're definitely getting more quality. Yeah. Like, I think you're pretty much still seeing the same budget going into each season that you did before. If not more. Probably. With less episodes. Yeah, because we're getting, we're reaching the end. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, I'll actually give this uh, real quick. I'll give it an A, maybe even an A plus. I enjoyed this really, really well. Um, This these both these episodes uh, especially together uh so far uh so um yeah i couldn't have liked i don't don't think they could have done any better job than they have so far yeah so um all right well uh real quick where can you find four midwest guys it's real simple we have a dot com now the number four you type in the number four midwest guys all together dot com that's the number four midwest guys dot com once more the number four midwest guys dot com there you can find all of our podcasts. You can find links to our uh, Podbean, to our uh, iTunes, to our uh, Twitter, to our Facebook. All the links are there to follow us on all the different medias, our Twitter account. Uh, you can also follow all of our different podcasts there. They're listed chronologically, and they're also, if you go up to the top, there's links for each individual show. So if you just want the Night's Watch, you click the Night's Watch, and it'll give you everything that we got so far. If you want our other Game of Thrones uh, podcast, The House of Zanardelli, you click that. That's new, so there's only a few, but still. Uh, or if you like um, Star Wars Rebels, you click that. Same thing. It's all categorized for you if you want to do it that way. So one-stop shop, the number four, MidwestGuys.com. Aaron, thanks for joining us on this very special way to kick off the Night's Watch two-part special. Yeah, no problem. All right, and this is B. Willie saying we will catch you next time.